the adventures of an NYC dance teacher. I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. And I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. This podcast is all about the adventures that Danielle and I have as dance teachers and choreographers living here in New York City. We will be sharing our experiences and all of their ridiculous and hilarious truths. However, to keep the identity of the students and companies we worked for safe, we won't be mentioning any by name, and if we do, they will be changed. That being said, let's get into today's topic, the selfish artist. So I really wanted to talk about this um, for a couple of reasons. We've had kind of a uh, time off from the podcast as yeah. Tony and I have had a couple things going on. We've both had our spring breaks. We've been away. Um, and also just like it's, you know, work has gotten really busy. It's starting to become show season for both of us at work, yes. getting our shows together, making sure our dances are set and ready to go. Keeping our and bodies healthy. Me and Danielle keeping both our, kind of died. Yeah, we both, the last like, weeks. last week I was so sick. And yeah. part of that is, you know, I was thinking about it, and part of that is, like, I'm not taking time for myself as an artist. Yes. And I feel like in past episode we've talked about how to be a good choreographer and dance teacher and continue to grow in terms of taking class and cross training and going to see shows and why all of that's important. But we haven't really talked about what it means to be a selfish artist and what it means to protect yourself as an mm -hmm. artist and why that kind of mental and emotional health especially in the performing and creative arts industry is so extremely important. Yes. And I think, it for me, it kind of goes back to, I am a spiritual person and um, a spiritual religious person. And something I always use, my parents just always say in regard to religion, is protect your spirit. And as I've gotten older, I say the same thing, protect your art. Yeah. Because in this in this day and age, especially living in New York City and living in the social media world that we do, there's a lot out there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of back and forth out there that can saturate your own artistic visions and your own artistic goals. Um, and it can be very damaging. It can be very soul crushing. It can be very uninspiring like it can really affect your craft if you're not careful mm -hmm. and it also can it can i know for me it can sneak up on you in situations that you're not expecting or having it come from people that you're not expecting it can be very surprising yeah um so i think to to start i want to talk about growth so we've talked numerous times about training and things like that but something i don't think we've talked about when it comes to preserving your artists who do you train with and why who do you allow to help you grow yeah i think it plays an important part in any artist's I, career yeah because i think um a lot of times it's fun to go with a friend to class i oh, mean yeah. i love going with a friend to class it's fun to go see a show with a friend it's fun to, um, or you just like go to the same class over and over because you know the people that are going to be in that class, um, things like that. And we get so stuck in, okay, well, it, it becomes almost like a social thing. And, and you're going to bring up a really great yeah. point of something that I just, I have. Yeah. I, so there was this group of dancers that my a good friend of mine 
was taking class with him, and he was like, so it, he was new to New York City, so he asked me, who had been here for a while, he was like, so I took this class, and everyone knew the combo, and I, he's like, mm-hmm. at first I was like, well, maybe they just learned it last week or earlier in the week, and I just missed out on it. Right. And then he was like, so I just asked them, and he was, they were like, oh, we do this combo every February. And I, he was like, what do you mean? He goes, oh, yeah, every month or, you know, every month there are two dances that we do. And they repeat year after year. Of course, the song changes and maybe a move or two here or there. But it's always the same dance over and over again. Me and my friends love it. And I go, mm, made up name, Caleb. I'm like, but Caleb, the it, didn't you say this is an industry class? Like, these are all Broadway babies and, like, company kids, like, you know, or kids that are on tour. Like, these are all professional dancers. Why in the world are they taking the same dance over and over and over again over the course of years, over the span of months? Like, why? And he was just like, I don't know, but I thought it was very weird. And I think I think it goes straight on to your point. Sometimes I think the social aspect misleads us. Yeah. I think that we forget, like, why we take class and mm-hmm. in a world now, especially here in New York City, and I know it's also very prevalent in... Um, LA and probably a couple of the other big cities a lot of times people now go to class to be because they go every single week they go every single year Mm -hmm. they know the combo they're with their friends because they want to post a video to Instagram they want to get noticed maybe the dance teacher the choreography will hire me for something and we forget that training needs to the only way that you are going to support yourself as an artist and experience growth is when you kind of strip all of that away and I'm going to class because it's for me that I'm not trying to prove to everyone else in class how good I am I'm not trying to prove to the teacher how good I am I'm going to dance for me um and I know I've been in the situation where like that you know I don't think like that and part of the reason like growth also so like we talk about growth and training but it's not easy. It's not going to happen overnight. No. How, getting to this point of respecting and cherishing yourself as an artist and protecting it takes time. I mean... I still fight with it. Yeah. I literally had this conversation with um, my um, Clinton. You guys are familiar. We've had on the show before. I had this conversation with him the other day. Is that every time I finish a project... I always like I go through the self doubt after the pro after mm. the project's finished, not before, not during. I'm always so confident before and during. Afterwards, when it's like being viewed by people or it's just existing in the ether, that's when I get very subconscious about it. Like, did I do a good job? Did I forget mm-hmm. to do something? And I I let doubt creep in very hard, and I was able to shut myself down after this particular moment I had earlier this week. But it's it's something that I'm still fighting with constantly. Yeah. As an artist in it's, their 30s. It's you know? really hard to when you're surrounded by a community, which is usually so amazing, but sometimes other people in your community get recognized for their efforts and you don't. Yes. Get cast in projects and you don't. Get picked to choreograph or direct a project and you don't. That's when we really start to beat ourselves up and like, are we even good at our job? I know that there are so many times that I've literally like, there's been times like I've had a bad class. I've had a oh, bad day of yep. classes. I've had a bad yep. week of classes, and I'll go and cry to my friends, I've and I'll had a be bad like, month of and I'll be like, "Can I even do this? Am I oh, even yeah. good at my job? Like, is there an even a point point in this?" But it's not like it needs to come from within. Um, and for me, it started a lot because I um, 
I just started reading a lot and working on myself as a person. And then as time went on, and we can, we'll get into like this whole thing in a minute. Yeah, other um, I realized that a lot of like developing myself as a human being is also developing myself as an artist and cherishing like what is important to me and realizing so like I love going to class with friends, but sometimes I need to go alone. The a, a really good Things point like to that. that. I um couple weeks ago I talked about the class that I took on air but I didn't talk like essentially it was one of those things of I just finished like cleaning doing something in the house and something was like go to class today I didn't know what classes were available so like I looked something up online and I was like cool if I leave my house right now I'll make it yeah so I, like ran out the house cla- ran out the house got down there to BDC um and the class was like I, I was like five minutes late to the class so they were like just beginning warm-up really and I kind of dove in and like I didn't I didn't the class was below my level that was the first thing that I did it was slightly below my level so I knew I really wouldn't bump into anyone that would know me mm-hmm. like this was like a lot of college kids and like I think a, a couple high school kids too so like it was just a class that I wanted to feel good about myself yeah so I wasn't really concerned with the choreographer I just knew that it was modern jazz, jazz modern fusion and I kind of just went for myself. No one even knew where I was. Like, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't post about yeah. it. I just kind of existed in that moment. And it was very refreshing for myself to kind of leave my my ego out of it and just move. Yeah. Kind of just exist And that's what in it that is. Moment. That ego. And I think, I think you're right. I think you do. When you are so used to taking class in a social setting, take a class that you've never taken before. You know, go outside of your normal class schedule. And just go by yourself. If you see someone in the class, mm. wave at them, say hi, but like just exist in that moment and don't let it be about the industry sometimes when you take class. Yeah. That is what I will say to that because it internally it does something for you when you don't I don't know the choreographer. I don't know their style. I'm just moving. You know? I'm just seeing what my body can do on its own. And there's almost no pressure when you oh, don't yeah. when you're not used to taking that class because there is this pressure of like, oh, this teacher sees me all the time. I go to this class all the time. I have to be good. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, there are these people in class I see all the time. I have to stand out. And it takes off so much pressure. It lets your ego go. And then sometimes, too, something else I want to bring up about, like, so we're talking about the right class, is we as artists in this industry, there's such a big push on, like, support each other, which I think is so extremely important because we should always be going out supporting each other watching each other's works it's going to help you get inspired a lot Mm -hmm. you know when i sit in professional developments with other dance teachers i get so inspired by what they have to say i see their shows but also sometimes you need to not support and you need to just focus on you because I think there's this big thing of like well if you're not out supporting the community then you're a terrible human being so already we have like that psyche coming into play of like wow I'm I'm not good at what I do I'm not out there supporting I'm not out there seeing I didn't go see this and I it's one of those things of like as someone who is a like create creating my own content working a full-time job at multiple schools eating water, you know, eating healthy, drinking water, yeah. like, and trying to go see shows, it's often too much. That's, yeah, that's and what I was going to say. It's, I think it's, sometimes it, be- it can truly be too it much. It becomes too much, and sometimes it's too much in terms of 
physically wise it's just too much for you to go and sometimes emotionally and mentally wise like you're not in the spot to go out and see a show because maybe things aren't going great for you or you just need some time away and learning how to say no as an artist you know, I've, the greatest when, gift you can give yourself. When we are younger, we're told say yes to everything. Take every opportunity you can. Non-paying, stipend, internship. Pay it all. Paying, take it all. Make the connections. Do it. And you grow up with that. And then you realize like, no, it's actually so detrimental to my emotional, mental, and even physical health when I don't rest and I'm not selfish and I'm not like, hey, I can't support you right now because I need to support myself. And I, I think you brought up, again, saying no is the is the best gift you an artist can give themselves. Yeah. Because I am very guilty of that. I come from a very blue-collar family to where they, the support was always very iffy with them when I first started out. Because, again, I'm from a family of, like, teachers and preachers and, like, people that go to work every day, clock in, clock out. You do your fun stuff on the weekends and at night, but, like, you go to work. Yeah. So for me to be in the arts and be like, I'm performing or I'm making money choreographing or dancing, that was not a thing for them for a very long time or they didn't understand it for a very long time so I took every gig I could take but um actually and this is like recently last summer I said I wasn't working yeah I did not work a I I had like one gig that I think I did that was like a workshop or something like that but I did not work I spent the entire summer working on my own projects or honestly taking class, being lazy, watching a lot of TV, hanging out with my niece and nephew, just being me again. And I got a lot of pushback from my friends and extended family gave me pushback. And this is a good segue into our next topic of Mm. family and friends. But my immediate family understood. This coming from my dad who like worked on an assembly line when he was like for much of my youth. He was like, you need a rest. It's perfectly okay. And I was like, I, there, I would call him in the midst of this being like, I don't know, maybe I should be applying for something or see if I can pick something up. I just feel weird that I've I've watched like two full Netflix shows that were like an hour long and like two or three seasons. And he was like, but you don't get to rest during the year because the work is so on top of itself. When, when was the last time you've been able to do that? And it's not because you're called out of work sick. I was like, never. Even when I call out work sick, I like crash and then I wake up and yeah. have to go back to work. Yep. He goes, so don't, don't hate yourself for needing to protect yourself. Yeah. I want to real quick, um, on the topic of rest, I remember a couple of years ago, I, um, I like, spent, um, sorry, I just, like, I just, like, zoned out for a minute. So I, like, spent the later half of my summer choreographing and then I came back to the city. I was, like, upstate. I came back to the city. I was probably about, like, 25 at this point I came back to the city I immediately started working on a youth theater production at this prominent youth theater I did that through the fall and then this other youth theater in the city that I had worked at called me back up so I started working um, with them through the winter and I continued with them until the following May meanwhile all the time I was also still teaching classes after school and babysitting in the mornings and then I went into another full summer of going upstate to a summer stock and choreographing two musicals. And then when I finally came back the summer after that, so that was like the summer of 2015, I think. When I finally came back after the end of summer, to the summer of 2015, I can sit there and I can say, I was so blessed that I worked for a full year from the summer of 2014 yeah. 
through the end of the summer 2015 choreographing. And I was blessed. I literally went from one show to the next next show. show, I literally did one, two, three, four, five. I literally did six shows in a a 12-month span while still also teaching after-school programs and dance. So blessed, right? But I was 25, 26 years old, and that is exhausting, especially when my final two shows were two full-length musicals in six weeks. So I remember I came back, and I was like, I don't want to teach, and (laughs) I don't want to choreograph. And I remember I ended up, I was babysitting for this family at the time, and I ended up just babysitting with them. And I taught one day of week with the program I worked with. I told them I will, in the fall, I will only take on one day a week. And I didn't choreograph any of the youth theaters I used to choreograph for. I didn't look for any other choreography jobs because I needed to rest. My creative being had nothing left. Mm -hmm. I spent a year and it was some, I had some great work there. But sometimes you need a recharge. Literally, you need to take a step back and rest and refresh and recharge or you're not going to be able to get good, fresh, true choreography out there. Even at work. There are times where I'm like, I don't know. You know, I'm going, I'm choreographing 13 dances for our spring show. And I'm like, I feel like I'm doing the same thing over and over because I need a break. I'm ready to go into the summer and not teach because I need a break to recultivate my creative juices. And I think that's also a thing is like part of that goes into, you know, when you're younger and working, just keep working. Don't (coughs) say no. Take all those jobs. And it's like, you need that. I understand that. I did it. And it is so important. But realizing that you do need and it is okay because there will be friends and family and people who look at you and go, you're taking a break. You're taking six months off from teaching and choreographing or directing or whatever it is. Like, you're not going to do a show for six months. You're not going to catch your break you, if you don't do it by this time. And if you right. don't keep going and now, honestly, keep the momentum going. you it's need not... to listen to yourself. Just like when you get sick, you need to listen to your body and know, I need a break. Because then if I get a job and they want me to choreograph, I'm not going to have good work. Because I didn't give myself the time to rest. And I think that that is so important is being okay to say no and stand up to people around you and support yourself and go, no, I need this for me. I will not be able to produce good work unless I take a step back and breathe. And that's so we've been kind of we started talking about it. Friends and family, they can be they can be the best best of times. They can be the worst of times. And I think that is that is the way to look at family when it comes to these selfish choices. Because I can look at it from both sides. Um, I think I've mentioned this before in the show. Uh, there was a, a stretch of five years where I was not home for Christmas. And that was unheard of. As particularly in my family when it's okay if you're not around because you're with other family, you know, because you got married or, you know, seeing the other side as a family's family. But the idea that you're not around because you're working does not compute to my family. So that was a very hard conversation. Like, my mom started bribing me, being like, well, if you come home, I'll do this. I'll bake your favorite food. I'll cook. Yeah. Like, it became this bribery thing. But at the time, I was like, these are really great Christmas gigs. Or, like, I I would fly out. Like, I would have Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and the day after Christmas off. But then be right back into rehearsals before and after that. And I was like, those three days, I don't want to spend in an airport. I'm going to spend more time flying to you than I would actually resting and enjoying the holiday. 
I'll just sit on Skype with you all day on Christmas, you know, or on FaceTime or whatever. Like, and I had to make that choice. And it was hard on both ends. Like, I, I, of course I wanted to be with my family. But the opportunities that were presented to me at the time were, I felt, were more rewarding to me. And I still to this day agree. They were more rewarding to me or financially smarter to me at the time, knowing what gigs I had lined up to do that, to just stay where I was and instead of traveling to my family. And they got it and they understood it, you know. On the reverse of that, I've had family want me to take a gig with a certain really big name person that I don't agree with his work because I think it's kind of trashy and terrible. This is acting-wise. But my family was like, if you work with this person or if you get in with this person, you'll be able to move back to Atlanta. You'll be able to do this, 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 this. And I was like... That is not at all on my career path, but thank you. Or mm. I love the old trope of my family. It's like, you should do American Idol. You should do So You Think You Can Dance. Like, they constantly ask me if I'm going to audition for those things. And while I respect all those artists that take that route, that ain't my route. That's just not my path. And it never has been, because I've never really cared a lot for reality television. Although there's a few seasons of both of those shows that I think some of the work done in there has been great. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. But it's not been my path. And I... I have just been very lucky and fortunate to have met, to have a family that even when they don't get it, they trust me. And as far as friends go, either all my friends are in the arts and they truly get it because they themselves have either had to make that same decision or going through it currently, or I'm no longer friends with them. Yeah. I was going to say this. (laughs) I'm um, no longer friends with a lot of those people. (laughs) So I spent a lot of time, I graduated college, I you know, worked a summer stock gig as an assistant choreographer, realizing I really want to choreograph. I started to work on that stuff, but got a, you know, got a job, you know, a day job, did that whole thing, and then got to the point a couple of years later down the road, two or three years out of college, where I realized I really want to do a hard push on choreography. So I began to freelance choreography, teach in after school programs, you know, usually when you teach in after school programs, um, specifically after school, you teach like two or three classes a week. Yeah. Um, and I would babysit during the day for a couple hours for, um, for money. And I would, you know, and I remember when I went into that path, that was my family, um, is great in the sense of, was great with that in the sense of, like, I kind of grew up in a performing family. My brother was a professional child actor growing up. I also did some professional work when I was a teenager. Um, I did some professional work, and they were fully supportive of us, fully supportive of me going to school for Mm -hmm. dance. So my family was not the people I needed to worry about. When I told my family, hey, my plan is I really want to work on my choreography. I want to grow my resume, grow my skill set. I'm going to babysit for five hours during the day and then, like, teach three classes a week and, like, look to get on to a show. My parents were like, can you pay your rent? Can you pay your bills? Yeah. Great. They were like, great. (laughs) They're like, They're like, are you happy? Is this going to help your career? Great. So they were so great about that. But I remember I was dating this guy when I kind of made this transition. I had started this transition, and I started to date this guy, and he didn't and I he was like so what do you do and I explained it to him I hate that and as an artist and when I was in my you know earlier mid-20s you know that like 23 24 range it was hard for me to explain and truly vocalize um what it is I was doing and why this was the right decision for me and he was someone that worked in um in the tech world 
and made a lot of money, you know, got a got a job offer right, you know, before he even graduated oh, college, yep. worked downtown, made a lot of money, and he, like, didn't get it. So he was like, so you don't work? And I was like, no, I do work. And I was like, I have a family I babysit for that is my supplemental income so that I can afford my rent without a problem. I don't have to worry about my rent because that's what pays my rent Mm -hmm. so that I can focus on getting gigs that if a gig only pays $300 for two months, I don't have to stress about it. And he just like couldn't grasp it. And it made me extremely self-conscious that when I would meet his friends and they would be like, well, what do you do? I finally took one of my gigs. I was working a lot with this one uh, non-profit company that I still go in and choreograph for and I was doing a lot of their kind of assistant admin work and running rehearsals and I kind of did the whole shebang for them. So I finally just started saying like, oh, I'm the artistic associate of X, Y, and Z company and and I would just be like, it's a a non-profit company and I'm an artistic associate for it and they would take that because it was too much for me to try to explain what I did and I became... You know, at 23, I had not done a lot of self-work on myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had not done a lot of work on myself as an artist. And I was very scared to begin to say, this is what I do. And I became very, like, inclusive and, like, wouldn't say it. So that was always, that was always something I think about is, like, how when I was younger, there are people who don't get it and they would judge me for being, like, so you don't work, though. They're, like, so you don't do anything. And it's... You feel, I'm with you, you feel that self-doubt because yeah. I always, so. I literally was like, you're right, I'm never going to make money. You're yeah. right, I'm never going to, this is never going to work. And I started to question myself when everyone else was like, well, I'm 24, 25, and I make $90,000 at this, you know, financial company. And it's, I think that is like always the struggle of an artist of hearing that, well, what do you do? Oh, well, that's great. Oh, well, good for you. That kind of dismissive behavior. To this day, I love my grandmother dearly, but she always asks that. She always goes, you know, you haven't worked a day in your life. Or what, you know, like, I just, you know, she understands when I say teacher, but she doesn't quite go when I'm like dance teacher. Or it's like, oh, today I'm just choreographing. It's not really even teaching. It's just I'm choreographing pieces. She doesn't, that doesn't click for her. And like, She's my grandmother, so she gets a pass. Right. But a lot of the people, I've had those same situations where I'll be out with friends or I'll be late. Or it'll be like, I can't make happy hour, guys. I'm not out of rehearsal yet. So I'll meet you guys later when we're going to dinner. Or being like, yeah, I can't really do that. That doesn't work with my schedule. Well, what is your schedule? You don't know your schedule. Yeah, I do. My schedule constantly changes because sometimes we go from rehearsals in the day Mm -hmm. to tech at night. And the show is running at night, you know? So depending on where we're at in the process depends on what my schedule looks like, you know, and having those people around that don't understand, I think you yourself as a person, you have to evaluate their their importance in your life. Oh, yeah. And if they truly matter to you, the way they talk to you about it and the way they go about it will change. Because I we've had him on the show, my best friend, Derek, he is he's in the business world, hands mm-hmm. down. He, and we became friends in college, but he will constantly, I'll talk with him about stuff within the arts industry, and he'll constantly be like, ah, that doesn't make sense, because in my world it's this, you know, and he'll explain X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, and then I'll go, yeah, but in my world, that's not even a thing. Yeah. And so we will easily compare, but neither one of us insult each other's career or life. Yeah. And I think that is why we are still friends. And I think it's something that you have to take into account when you are, when you do have these conversations 
with your friends, with your yeah. family. I will say with my family, I, I taught them how to talk with me about certain stuff, you know, or it's one of those things of I don't go to all family members or all friends about certain topics. Like talking about uh, the scandal within, you know, the ballet companies and things like that. My family has no point of reference for that. Or when I talk about like censorship, which we probably will do an episode on my, you know, like my family doesn't have a, a reference points when I go, you know, like but those costumes are too skimpy and revealing. They're literally my dad's problem was like, aren't all dance costumes skimpy and revealing? Right, and like I'm he like, doesn't have a... and I'm like, ah, from your, from what your knowledge and your perspective is, I get what you're saying to the rest of us that know better. Yeah. No, that's not the case. So I think it's a, with family and friends, particularly family, let's start there, it's a, it's a learning curve. Love them through the learning curve. Yeah. For friends, don't keep them around if they are not I was you. I was just going to say that. So I think that, because um, I've also had been on the flip side when I decided to, and we've talked about this before in episodes, when I decided to go into the teaching world full time, I had a lot of artist friends, and I'm also going to quote put quotations around the word artist because I feel like we can get there. But artist <laughs> friends who were like, oh, you're going to you're gonna take a full-time job? Like, you're now you're really never going to work. You're never going to be able to choreograph. And even I my even, even my parents at first were like, are you, are you sidestepping or blocking certain opportunities now because you're going to be working full-time? And I understood it from them. And we had a conversation where I was like, you know what? Should there be an opportunity that presents itself in terms of creating and choreography that's outside of the education world, that is what I want to do, then I would stop teaching and go and do that. Mm -hmm. So again, with my family, it was a conversation of, why do you feel like this is the right decision now? We just want to make sure that you're not not doing this because you feel like you must have a full-time job or something like that. But with some of my artisty friends, they were like, they turned it into, well, you're taking a quote-unquote easy way out. Like, you're never going to create again. You're not going to get to choreograph. And, like, to be honest, like, nice. I <laughs> I had a I had a rehearsal today. I had my, my um, you know, most advanced elite um, oldest girls. They're in my, you know, my elite club. And our whole club time together today was we warmed up. They did some improv exercises. And then we were choreographing and rehearsing our dancer at the end of the year show and their dance is great and it is pushing me to choreograph Mm -hmm. in my creativity to push them so it's not so i am still growing as a choreographer but also you also choreographed a show like we're also still choreographing we're still like part of part of it is like again part of it is like what you want i still want to choreograph so i'm still choreographing around it but it's it's such an interesting thing because i feel like you're always going to get people who try You're going to get these people who try to tell you you're wrong. And because of your decisions, you're not going to succeed. And to piggyback off of what Tony was saying, in terms of friends or acquaintances or people you consider part of your circle. Let it go. You, yeah, honestly. <laughs> let it go. Let, like, it, go. let it go. Let, let them go. a big part of, we're going to get into resources and, and yes, stuff like yes, that yes, 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 yes. toward the end of the episode. But a big thing that I learned through a lot of my own re-self-discovery and artistry discovery and reading was that those people are toxic to you 
And unfortunately, when they're not in touch with their artistry and comfortable with themselves, they're going to try to block you and your yes. success any way possible and yes. let them go. Because once yes. you do and you get selfish about who you like to spend time with or even... I love all my friends. And myself is one of those people too. I was going to say, I have such an amazing group of friends right now. And sometimes I go, guys, I can't see you this weekend. I got to be selfish and stay with myself. You become such a happier, healthier, um, better creative artist. Or at this point, my friends basically And successful. Let me point out that once you begin, once you begin to truly find yourself as an artist and and cultivate that and protect that, there are more opportunities that come up and you start to become more successful. And yeah. Completely true. I mean, I'm just, I agree with you on that because I, this week, usually my friends usually go, are you leaving the house this weekend? And, and I'm okay with them asking that because sometimes for, it's honestly a self-check for me being like, Wait, what do I need to do this weekend? Same, I do oh, that too. Oh, I need to choreograph like five different things. Or, no, I'm not leaving the house this weekend. sometimes it's even like, I don't even realize that I need a day with myself. Yeah. Until people are like, hey, we're going to do this after work. We're all going to go get drinks. They're like, oh, I want to do X, Y, and Z on Saturday. Want to come? And then I'm like, wait. That sounds terrible. I don't uh, yeah, that. and I'm like, I don't because I actually haven't been able to sit with myself in a while. So I'm going to do that instead. And luckily, I am surrounded by an amazing group of people who understand me as a human being and understand themselves and respect when I go, no, I need a day alone today. And I will kind of like wrapping up. I just know one of the big things that I attribute to my friend group is that we, we can go months, sometimes years. Cause I have friends that work on cruise ships and live yeah. in other countries. So yep. I can go months or even years without seeing my friends. And We'll send the occasional, you're alive, you're well, we haven't heard from you. Or I heard some stuff went down, are you okay? Type a text message or a message. But generally speaking, they're okay with me living my life and doing what I need to take care of myself and my art. And then coming back when I'm ready and capable of being back. You know, because millions of things can pull us away. And sometimes we need that. So I, I enjoy having a friend group that can pull away and know that when I am ready that they are there. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of one of a... I'll say the last big topic before we kind of get into resources and other yeah. things to pour back into you. It's money. So we talked about this before. It's like when you're younger, you're, we are taught to take any and every gig we can. Some gigs don't pay us. Some gigs offer experience or videos and things like that or exposure. It's another favorite mm-hmm. word they love to use. And the answer to that is yes, until you reach your breaking point for me. Every artist goes through a point where the money does not equate to the gig. And it's different for every artist. And the reasons are different for every artist. I know me in particular within the last year, I have reached a certain pay rate that I don't go below. Like if I, you know, I'll make a, let's say it's a thousand dollars. It's not. And Lord knows I wish it was. But let's say my pay rate was a thousand dollars. I don't leave my house unless I'm yeah. making a thousand. And being selfish about that. Oh, I've and I have straight up gone to when I first started this. It was only to people I didn't know, or companies that I was already working for. But people I didn't know, I'd be like, "If you're not paying me a thousand dollars, I'm not leaving. I'm not. I'm not doing. It. I'm not leaving my house." And I would still let friends or people I'm close to kind of mm-hmm. slip under the radar, and I got burned very, very badly. There's still a company right now that owes me money. Same. And after Same. that moment, it was my dad, a non-artist, being like. Well, from like a not like just a 
normal people perspective. He says normal people when he's artists are not normal to him. So he says everyone else is normal. But he's like, to a normal people perspective, why would you work for someone that owes you money? And I go, yeah. oh, so when, so at this point, my rate is what my rate is. And even if we're back, yeah. even if Danielle came to me, I would be like, yeah, no, that compensation is not worth it. Yeah. Or I need a different type of compensation. But like, I have learned to accept that, like, for me, that rate, that rate matters for me because I account in travel time, food preparation, hours of prep for that class and things like that. Like, it's one of those things of, I just read, or like labor hours. Like, I know that's something that like is a real struggle for a lot of artists is that they're, you know, like the amount of blood, sweat, and tears, and blood is a part of it when you're a dancer, you know, that you go, that you put into a gig and then you only get a check for $500 after, you know. It doesn't feel great. Six weeks of crazy, insane work, you know, or like shuffling around. For me, like I said, I do make a majority of my money teaching, uh, depending on the time of the year making a majority of my money teaching. So, like, to have to reshuffle my entire teaching schedule or get substitute teachers and go through all those hoops, it needs to be worth it. And money is sometimes not yeah. not the deciding factor. I also think, too, because I, same as Tony, and I've talked about this before in the podcast, I also, too, was part of a shitty situation where I worked on a production of a show, which I was so excited about, and someone who... I, at the time, considered a friend, and we had agreed upon a price, and I was like, great, this price sounds good, and not only did they end up overworking me and asking me to come in to multiple extra rehearsals, or telling me, oh, we're going to do X, Y, and Z at tonight's rehearsal, and then I sat there for five hours and we didn't do anything, at the end of the, at the end of the production, I bear, I only saw a very extremely small cut of what I was promised. And part of that was my fault and part of that was a learning curve for me in terms of paperwork and and saying no, you know? Why did I say I could go to these actual rehearsals or why did I, in an hour in, when we didn't do any of my stuff, go, I'm just gonna leave now. Why didn't I do that, you know? So again, huge learning curve for me, which I think everyone needs to go to, but also, I think that when you start to, why is it, I've, I've thought about this, why is it in every other profession, it's always okay to ask for more money, but when it comes time to the performing arts, it's like, you should just work for free, or you should yes. take what they give you. And, you know, I've talked with my dad about this, who's not in the performing arts at all, you know, and my dad's like, people will respect you more when you also put your foot down. There oh. might be some jobs that you don't get because you want X number of money an hour, you want $1,000 an hour or $1,000 a class or whatever it may be or whatever your rate is, which obviously isn't 1000 but whatever it is, there might be some jobs that they you are passed by then on because they can't, because the company can't afford that, but there is something that they will respect and they'll, oh, yeah. when you put your foot down and you go, I am worth this. I am worth this time and for yes. this time I am worth this money and when you get selfish about that and you realize like no I'm gonna stop doubting myself I am actually really good at what I do because if I wasn't good I wouldn't have been hired I wouldn't have been asked to do this project and part of that is respecting myself as an artist and a human being and to do that I need x amount of money or I will only work x amount of hours and and it's be selfish about it if someone tells you You well to be we can only pay you $500 for two months and you're like, I need a thousand. Then you go, 
okay, so over the course of two months, I'm only going to be able to work two hours a day then, or whatever yeah, right. it is. And those because still I, up, but like, yeah. you know what I mean. But the yeah. point being, like, this is what I'm worth, and I know that's what I'm worth. And have no problem. I think you're right. It's being selfish, and also with the selfishness, having the guts or the balls to stand up for yourself and have those hard conversations for yourself with these companies. And that I, I that's just the important thing because I'm always that person where I will very times get an offer to come in and choreograph, you know, a whole musical for a program and they'll go, this is what they can offer me. And I go, yeah, for the amount of hours you want, absolutely, not. this is what you get for that amount of exactly. hours. Exactly. You know, and I'll be like, you get two, you get the big dance number for what you're paying, that what and you're And sometimes for. it's hard because... And I'll show up opening night for free. Right. You sometimes know? it's hard because, unfortunately, a lot of, in the performing arts, a lot of companies are non-for-profits, startups, yes. they don't have a yes, lot of, yes, they don't yes. have producing money and funding, so you might get passed by and it might go to this person you worked with three years ago and you know is not as good and talented as you are but got the job because they're willing to work for two months for $500. But you need to remind yourself they didn't get the job because they were better than you. They got the job because at that time in their life that salary, those hours, that that worked. For me, I'm past that point. This is the point I'm at in my life and I will take nothing less because I deserve nothing nothing less. less. And I think it's it's one of those things of be careful with comparing your career to other people. Yes. And I think that this goes back to, again, why we're calling this episode The Selfish Artist. Because I, in particular, I essentially, I held on to a job that I got when I first moved to the city. And the job was very good to me in a lot of ways. But the commute and the way that the program had started to run just did not work for me. So I left them to work for uh, two other companies. And... A person that I chore- that was choreographing when I was there was like a, an assistant or a junior choreographer, essentially kind of slid in and took my spot and took a couple other people's spot that left. And when I went, I still have a few friends that are working there. So when I caught up with them, they were talking about how the amount, how they they missed me, wished that I would come back, gave me an offer to come back, and I told them no. Um, but they talked about how injuries had increased since I left and I said well I was trained to look out for x amount of injuries and I like I went to school for this like I know what I'm looking for I know what I'm doing this person did not go to school for dance and choreography so he's unaware of injury prevention which is something that any dancer anywhere is going to learn especially in a collegiate program like me and Danielle went to um and we talked we've talked we've got a whole episode on injuries but um, yeah, like I, and so I was like, I do feel bad for you guys. I said, but here's the thing about it. You can't afford my pay rate and I can't hit. I said, I don't want the mental stress of going in and fixing someone else's problems. So I can't do it. Like, I love you guys. The thing is there, I said, but for me and my personal growth, I'm not growing there. I yeah. reached the ceiling at that company. And that wasn't the case when I first moved to this city, but I reached that point. I think, and I think that's the... The thing you have to, again, the self, the self understanding, you know, when you reach that point, because you will, for me, I started heading, I started heading towards signs of depression. I was working gigs that, again, I would be burnt out and exhausted and I was still Mm -hmm. not making enough money to 
cover bills or cover vacations or whatever I was putting money aside for. So I had to work even more hours and like the hours to money ratio was just not adding up. So I had to increase what I was asking for. But on that same token, I had to make sure I was offering well worth what they were, what they wanted and needed. And then for this company that was paying me considerably less of what I'm making now, I put on a full show together. Like I mounted in an entire show. It was me and one other person. And she was making a little bit more than me, but still way under what I know she's making now. Me and a really good friend, we mounted an entire show with our dance teams. And it was great. Like everyone loved it. We received a lot of praise for it. But the exhaustion that her and I both felt was insane. Like it yeah. was it was just unimaginable the exhaustion we had felt. And so it just it's one of those things of money, I, I will never tell an artist to be all about money. But I will say when it comes to me and taking a gig, I look at it in a couple aspects. I look for the first is money, because that's the easiest one to talk about. Spiritual growth and dream growth. And, like, for me, like, there are certain musicals that if they fall out the sky right now, I would do them in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. You know, if a Kinky Boots or a Chorus Line fall out of the sky, yeah, I'll suffer through and do those shows for $300. I mean, not $300, but, like, I, for me, those are dream roles yes. that I would consider putting myself through a little bit of Agreed. hell to achieve. Yeah. You know, or there are other shows, like, I know, in particular, the show Ragtime meant a lot to me. So if someone uh, offer a Ragtime showed up, spiritually, that show means, meant a lot to me because I did the show Ragtime in high school, um, in college, and it was the same, it was the first year that I was able to vote in a presidential election, and mm-hmm. it was the year that Obama was elected. So Ragtime, and being political and talking about the growth of, you know, of African Americans yeah. over time, like, so Ragtime is a very, a very spiritual show to me. So if someone were to offer me Ragtime, of course, I would I would put myself through a little bit of hell because that show sits and I, spiritually and towards me. And I think me, like that's know? that's such a good point that you bring up because I think that there will always be projects. I agree. There are certain oh, yes. dream projects that I would do. I would put myself through a little for hell free, for. But no, I not would, free. I would. I would put up with a little bit more it, than yes, I normally yes. would. But I think you also will know as you start to grow you continue to grow and learn yourself as an artist you also know exactly what those projects would be and exactly what you what you'll take and not take and you'll also learn how to how to negotiate and put things on paper and how to get to a point where you can still be happy doing this project um and how to talk yourself out of it like there are certain shows where i would like if someone says rent nostalgic high school me is gonna be like yes wait a second Who's directing it? How long is the run? Who's casting? Like, I, and again, that selfishness of self-work yeah. would stop younger me from diving in head first. Because Rent used to be one of those shows for spiritual growth. But then it, I just, I got older. You changed. I got older, I changed, and I looked inside of myself being like, yeah, the show has a lot of nostalgia for you. But there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong with that show if it does not have the right creative team behind it. So, you yeah. need to ask those follow-up questions before you say yes, be it on the creative side or the performance side of it. And that, to me, again, it's about doing that internal work. So I want to talk about, before we close out, we've talked about, um, you know, what it means to be a selfish artist, why it's important. I want to talk about some resources that both Tony and I have used either separately or together, some Mm -hmm. research resources we might know that we have in touch. And also, what what are some things that I think that, 
any any person, any artist, dancer, creative person out there, and not even creative, just like yeah. as a human being, what are some fit practices that you can easily do to kind of get good with yourself and find your most authentic, selfish self and realize what's important to you and not. So mm-hmm. um, we can start with resources and then we can start with kind of what we both do and just like ideas and <coughs> yeah. stuff like that. So um, for me, it's a book um, that I will have no problem. All of the books and things we talk about will be posted on the PYT Instagram. Yes. And Facebook page. Yes, Facebook page because they are synced um, in the coming weeks and coming days as things are posted. Uh, for me, the book is called The Mother of Black Hollywood by Jennifer Lewis. And um, in the book, and again, Jennifer Lewis is an accomplished actress that I've known about for years as an actress and singer, but I didn't know that she was a Broadway baby. She started out, like, years ago, like, on, you know, in UB Irby, like, a Broadway baby, original company of Dream Girls and things like that. Like, she'd been around forever. And in this book, she talks, it's an autobiographical, and it talks about her journey and one of the biggest things for her, and I say we'll, we'll say for me as well, is therapy. She talked about how she talks a lot about her mistakes and her selfishness for the wrong reasons, and how through therapy she learned how to be selfish for the right reasons. Um, and that boils down. Like she talks about money. A lot of the subjects that we talked about today: family, friends, growth, money, love career that. goals. She talks about all of that in that book. Um, and I found this book a year ago. I mean, I want to say released about a year ago. Yes, it was last year because I was in Miami on vacation um, at my friend's house reading it by the pool by myself. And I would read it. I would literally read a chapter, read an anecdote from the book and just kind of get lost in my own thoughts of the benefits of of having a professional talk through things with you. Um, I, to this day, have a therapist that I... Talk about life stuff with, but I also have no problem going to my therapist about the emotional ups and downs that come with a career in the arts. Excuse me, because as we know, this career is very feast, the arts career is very feast and famine. You know, like you can be up for years and then be down for more years. And not only that, but in a career in the arts, in any retrospect, the arts asks you to dive deep inside of yourself. And pull out things from inside you that other careers don't. So not only is it feast and famine, but it's also asking you to like get in touch with yourself emotionally and take things yeah. out of you and, yeah. and express that. And how can you do that if you don't even know who you are as a person? Or how can you tap into that? Like, sorry, the first thing makes me think there's a meme where it's like, you know, that, you know, everyone say acting would be easy. You know, it's like, let me wake up at 10 a.m. and rip my soul out, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's, it's the, it's the same kind of thing of like, I, I re- it really started coming to play where I started talking with my therapist about career is when I would have, like, I was dealing with the morning of losing someone really important to me. So family life, we were all, like, grieving and mourning. I was director, choreograph of a children's show, and I was in a show. So I was asked to emote three different ways all over the place, and there was no there was no escaping the funeral, there was no escaping this children's show, and there was no getting out of this performance. Everything, we were too far along in mm-hmm. all the process that it would just, it would have been more stressful for me to quit, because my therapist proposed that. He's like, if you walked away from everything right now, I go, I would hate myself. He goes, cool, that's not an option. Let's talk about this next thing. So I, I definitely would recommend therapy for any and all human beings, having someone that can just talk through these problems where you don't feel guilty about creating a burden for them helps um and i definitely say 
if that you're not ready for that route, I say read the um, the Mother of Black Hollywood. It definitely you. It's a very funny book, but I definitely think it's one of those moments where you can see a actress who is famous. So she's currently on Blackish right now with a ton of movies and cabarets underneath her belt. Um, but who doubted her career? You know, the whole part, the beginning of the book, she talks about she was about to give up on performing and retire, and then she booked Blackish, mm-hmm. and has done a slew of stuff since then. You know, so I definitely think that's a good place to start. Um, yeah, I have a couple of things. So I kind of mentioned this earlier in the episode. A couple of years ago, I just went on kind of a path of a lot of re-self-discovery and realizing what's important to me and really just getting, I call it getting good with myself. Like mm-hmm. really, truly, for the first time in either ever or a long time, really getting good with myself. What's important to me what means a lot to me, where I see myself in terms of my future career-wise, family-wise, friends-wise, relationship-wise. Like, where do I see myself? What do I want for myself? How to become that, like, healthy, selfish person? Yeah. Um, And so I actually had a friend, when my best friend bought me the book, um, You're a Badass by um, Jen Sincero. And if you haven't read it, it's, an amazing book. It's such an easy read. It's, you know, technically a self-help book, um, but it's just hilarious. Like, there are so many times, like, the way she wrote, writes, and she writes from her perspective of being someone who also went through all of these emotions and feelings about her career not going well, and, you know, she's also a writer, so it's it's nice. She has that artistry background, mm-hmm. and it's such a funny book to read. It's such an easy book to read. And it really starts to get you thinking about how to be a healthy, selfish person. Yes. And not this one isn't based on the artist, but it's based on just being a human being and mm-hmm. how to put things out into the universe you want and get the universe to give back and how to start looking at yourself from like no longer being doubtful and scared of things, yeah. but being like, I'm a fucking badass and like I'm gonna make a bunch of money and I'm gonna have a successful career and I'm gonna have a successful relationship and find the love Mm -hmm. of my life and I'm gonna go on x y and z vacation and how to really start talking to yourself about that in a positive way and once you start talking to yourself in a positive way you emote that to the universe and I fully believe that what you give is what you get back. Oh, come So when I start going, this is what I'm going to get. This is what I deserve. This is what's going to happen to me in the future. And I start talking like that, I'm going to receive that back. So it's such a fun, easy book. I've reread it. I want to reread it again because it's, it's funny and it's great. Um, I've also read a couple of books by Gabby Bernstein who writes in this whole realm of self-help. And she looks at it more from a spiritual Mm-hmm. religious kind of lens but is able to talk about it in a way that if you're not spiritual and religious in that sense you will have no problem reading the book I love her again she's a writer so it ties back to this artistry because she went through all of this to how do I become a successful writer how do I get good with myself in terms of that to be able to have that success so while it's not the performing arts, it's still a creative art. And so I it's think... It's funny that you say that. I have another book I would yeah, recommend. And, it's she, and it's great because that book has a lot of um, exercises in it for you to do, okay. for you to get good with yourself. Um, it, it's very thought-provoking. So a lot of her books are really um, great. And um, the the last book I want to bring up before I give it back to yeah, Tony, yeah. Um, 
which I think we might have talked about before. I'm not sure if we talked about this before. Um, and again, we'll post all of these books is The Artist Way. Oh my God. I love and, Maybe we have. I don't um, know. We both love this book. I've read I it. I love, love, love this book. The Artist, the Artist Way is by uh, Julia Childress, I think is how you pronounce her last name. Um, it is $25. You can find it on Amazon. I'm you also sure it's in it any library, public library across uh, the yeah. country. But it's you, not you. You have to get the book. So you can't do an e-read because there's certain things in the book where yeah, it, you, you have to, to write in the book. Um, and again, written from a writer who has written more than just this one book. Um, and this is a book that is geared toward the artist self. So mm. anyone that considers themselves an artist from writing to photography to fine arts, performing arts, graphic design, acting, you know, the any, whole any, the uh, whole any thing. Artist the whole work, thing. This book is for you. But it also I still rec- would recommend it as just a human being because I think it's a book that forces you to tap in with yourself. Yes. It's a book that forces you to be selfish. In the forward of the book, it's a book that says you must be selfish. <laughs> yeah. And you go week by week, a chapter a week. Each chapter has different tasks it asks you to do, yeah. and you don't have to do all of them. It literally says, here are 10 tasks. Do three of them. I don't and, think, I don't, I've read it twice, and I don't think, both times I did, I don't think I've done everything yeah. in each one. And it's tough because it's, it's, it is a, book that's written for someone who works yes do three of them you don't have to do all 10 but also the work you're doing sometimes is a lot yes internal work it's a lot of internal emotional work and it asks you to check in it's a book that it asks you to write every day even as a non-writer she says in her first chapter i want you to write three pages every morning they're supposed to be called your morning pages freehand do not read it. Do not think about what you're writing. If you have no idea what to write, write, I don't know, for three pages and close the book. Yeah. Do not go back and read it. And part of that is stop judging yourself. Stop judging yourself. Get out anything you feel like you need to get out. Put it on the page. Put mm-hmm. it out there. Get it out of your system. And we're done. And then move on. Um, and move on. And it's also taught me, I've always been in... Uh, um, person who likes to do a lot of stuff on my own. I, I feel really good and healthy about taking myself to do things by myself, being alone. But the book also forces you to go on these things called artist dates where you must go alone, not with a friend, not with a mm-hmm. pet, not with a significant other. Don't tell anyone where you're going unless for some reason you must tell someone where you're going to be. Yeah. And take yourself out. Go on a walk. Go to a bookstore. Go to a record store. See a show. Take a dance class. Go see a movie. Whatever. Go get coffee and people watch. Whatever it is. And it's, I know I'm kind of talking a lot about it, but because it truly is, as an artist, even as a human being, it makes you get good with yourself. It makes you realize people who are toxic and block you, how to kindly shut them out and let them go and move on. Mm -hmm. And it honestly has helped me to really create better work, create better choreography, know myself. Mm-hmm. It's really helped me to truly find myself as an artist, refine myself, redefine myself, and realize where I see myself going and what's important to me. So um, yeah, those are some big ones. And I think the idea of, of the artist date is something that even if you don't read the book, you need to do as an artist is take that time off, 
whenever mm-hmm. you can. Five minutes, ten minutes, once a day, once a weekend, once a month to just read, write, go see a movie by yourself, take a walk, take a drive, be with and yourself I, and get inspired. Um, I want to mention one more book and then me and Danielle want to tell you some of the things that we do yes. on a regular basis. The last book I want to recommend is by a writer and it's kind of about his writing process. It's called I Can't Date Jesus. Um, what this particular book just he talks about his path of growing up super religious and how that affected his writing and how that affected him as an adult and growing up and letting go of certain things and keeping certain things and I like I said I have no problem telling him I grew up Southern Baptist I still claim to be Southern Baptist but I also challenge religion at every chance I get um but it's one of those things of I know that for a lot of people growing uh, like the art art imitates life and life is messy and religion and art often clash in good ways and bad ways and i think it is i don't i just know for me the first time i did a show that involved like hookers and whores and scantily clad women i was a dancer so i'm constantly you know like girls are running around like what do we do we did a uh, life upon the wicked stage so like the girls are in brassieres and like long i mean it's fossey so like panties and things like that for the number and my family was like wait i'm sorry what kind of dance number is this what's going on like those were conversations that we had to have in my household and so um in this book he just talks about letting learning yourself and looking looking at your past in good ways and bad ways and seeing where it hurt and where it helped and knowing what you need for the future and knowing when something is hurting you and something's helping you and whether religion is that or I took it for some religious aspects, but I also took it just for people and things in my life that I had to let go because they don't fit with the new me. Um, so I definitely say I Can't Date Jesus is a wonderful book. I need to finish it. I think I have like two or three chapters left on it. I'm currently reading that now, but I definitely would recommend that one as well. Um, as far as like practices, um, the artist date is one of those things that I still do. Mm-hmm. I do cheat um, currently. Uh, so one of the big things for me living in New York City and being always busy is that I felt like I was not appreciating other art because I would get so busy that I just stopped seeing shows so I said I wanted to start making a point to see shows and then it became I want to support African-American art or art that is off the beaten path so it's not always African-American stuff that I go see but it's I once a month I go see something that is beneficial to me Um, like for the month of April I went and saw the movie Little Mm. which um, it has Issa Rae and Marseille Martin in it. Um, and I supported it because I'm a big fan of Issa Rae because she started on a YouTube channel and now she has a successful deal with HBO. Um, but also Marseille Martin started on Blackish and she's the youngest executive producer. And the girl's not even 18. So I wanted to support that, you know? And that was going to the movies, you know? Yeah. So that was not a big, huge thing. But for me, I felt good giving her my 1650. Yeah. Um, or a cup. one month I went to... Um, a comic book expo but it wasn't like the big publishing houses it wasn't dc it wasn't marvel it was smaller companies you know it was um people that were doing kickstarters for their for their comic books and so i spent like i want to say 50 dollars on like comic books and pens of these unknown artists that are just like me starting out trying to build a brand trying to build a model um so taking my doing once a month artist dates are a really big thing for me um on a regular day-to-day basis i like candles I'm a big huge for I'm a big huge thing on like candles and just kind of taking a moment and lighting yeah. my candle and staring into nothingness. Um, 
I will do silence, which I think in particular for choreographers and dance, like uh, performing artists, going into a space and just having no sound mm-hmm. on is truly rewarding. I think sometimes, like I, I live in New York City, it's loud, it's busy, and I'm a dance teacher and a choreographer, so there's always some type of music happening. So I have found a great sense of joy is that, you know, it could be right after I get out the shower or like I, you know, get home, take my shoes off and I just kind of sit for not very long, maybe five minutes. Some, I don't honestly know how long it is. I just sit until my brain takes me elsewhere, but I just sit with no, nothing audible on. No, you know, no. I mean, you can sit in the dark if you like. I know some that do, but like I just kind of sit there and no sound and I just take that moment to check in with myself being you know and it can just be like all my lesson plans were terrible today or it's like you actually I felt like I succeeded today I did something good or like I feel nothing why am I sitting here doing mm-hmm. nothing I should go do stuff or it's like you're sitting here and you're, like so I've gone through all the array of motions but that like little check-in time has greatly helped me um yeah I mean I for me same thing I I I try to go see art. I'm not as good about it. I think that the idea of supporting something, going to see something once a month is something I might try to adopt. Um, For me, it's a couple little things. Um, Through reading The Artist's Way and through doing the morning pages, sometimes I'll write. I usually write at night. But sometimes I'll put on a TV show in the background and I'll just write about how my day went. I'll journal. I won't do it every day, but I... It's sometimes nice to, to get just again get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, something I really like to do at home is I love the mindfulness coloring books. So sometimes mm-hmm. I'll like make a cup of tea, light some candles, put some music on, and color. It's super um, super meditative, which is mm-hmm. the point of coloring books, but it is. Um, and two of my favorite things to do. This first one, I don't do a lot. It usually happens to me more so at the beginning of a school year or during the summer when I'm working on projects. But I like to go sit at a quiet bar or wine bar and order a good glass of wine and lesson plan or choreograph. Mm. Um, I It sounds so like weird and silly, but like I love oh. good wine. I love learning about wine, all of that. So that's something that's so interesting to me. So I love going and ordering a good glass of wine and then choreographing and writing down ideas and lesson planning. I think that I just really get in the zone. And again, I go alone and I do it. I'll sit at the bar. I'll sit at a table in the corner. It's something that I do a lot more during the summer and the beginning of the year, but it... um it's something that really gets me excited to, to plan. Um, and then my biggest thing that I love is I am such a mover. And a lot of times it's hard for me to get to class. But I have really found that I love um, yoga. Yoga has become a big part of my life All mm. there, you know, in all different types and styles of yoga. I go back and forth between a bunch of different ones. But for me, waking up, especially um, on the weekends or an off day, and going to a yoga class and then after I'll usually get some iced coffee and take a walk when it's nights out. Um, that's become a really, really great thing for me. Artist date with myself, thing that I do, um, that I feel better and I'm just with, with myself, walking, listening to music, thinking about things. I try not to put my headphones in. I try to really just 
walk around and hear the sights and sounds and it's time for me to just I've worked on myself physically and mentally and now I'm giving this time with myself to relax I won't answer texts I won't take phone calls and I get to just be outside and explore my city um so again these are by no means things that you have to do but these are just things that we do that work for us that we love to do and again like tony you know i said wow i should go see a show once a month i'm i'm gonna try to implement that you get ideas and And you need to find what works for you all of these are just starting points to finding out you know everything we talked about you will find those fine lines the only thing i you know the advice i'll give to you is that saying no is not the end of the world yeah missing out on something can sometimes be a blessing yeah so don't feel like you're losing out by being selfish um yeah it's just no other way to take you have to take care of yourself because i have learned and i realized that when i take care of myself and take the rest take the break meditate go to yoga everything goes better not only just in my personal life but my my choreography, my teaching, oh, yeah. my create creativeness is much better. I produce such better work when I really sit with myself and focus on myself. So that would be my only advice is to give yourself the time and the space to do that and figure out how it works best for you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it for us. The curtain has closed on this episode, but we hope that you will join us next week. And every week after that. We want to say a special thank you to our listeners. Our numbers keep growing, and that's all thanks to you. Episodes come out every Tuesday. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play Music are perfect places to do that. You can find us on Facebook at Point Your Toes. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at Point P-Y-T. You can email us at pytnyc29 at gmail.com. I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. And I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. See you next week on Point Your Toes, the adventures of the NYC Dance